in almost every video I've ever taken of my wife, uh, whether it's a baseball game where my sons are playing or my ba- basketball game where my daughter's playing or it's Christmas or a birthday party, almost every single environment, I'll be filming the game or the party or whatever it's going on, and then eventually I will get to my wife and the camera will just sort of slow and stay on her face a little bit, that pretty, pretty face. And it'll just kind of hang out there. And this has been happening since we were about 16 years old. When, when we were 16, I invited my wife, well, she wasn't my wife then, but I, I invited her to come on a trip with our Youth Group to Great Adventure. And we got back late one night, and I videoed everything as a kid, man. I had the big 800-pound camcorder up on my shoulder back in the day that was like tied to some luggage in the back. And I still have a slight issue with this shoulder because those things weighed so much. And so I'd be videoing all my friends. Then again, man, when it hit her, just everything slowed down because it kind of made my heart jump, you know? Now tonight I want to ask you a question. What makes God's heart jump? Here's what I want to tell you. It has something to do with these chains that I'm wearing. Something to do with these handcuffs that I'm wearing. See, all around us there are people in chains. There are people in slaves. Some literally and some figuratively. And maybe the thing that makes God's heart jump is this idea of fighting injustice. But what is God inviting you into? Like what is he doing? What mission is he on? And he's saying, please join me. Please join me. I want you to come. I want you to be a part of this. I want you to help me do some um, unbelievable things, some mind-blowing things. It has to do with fighting injustice. Now, here's the deal, and maybe you didn't see this coming because we've been pushing this whole idea of fighting injustice and this whole theme of, you know, I don't know what was in your head as you walked in or as you saw stuff on social media, what this would all be about, but I'm guessing you were thinking we were going to address some topics and some issues in the world around us, but here's what I'm guessing you didn't see coming. You see, what if the lack of heart that you and I have to be on the mission that God is on to end this injustice around the world is actually tied to the answered prayer in our life. It's actually tied to the amount that we see God show up. See, let me ask you a question. How many of you guys are sometimes frustrated? Just raise your hand. Be real in church tonight. I can't really do it. I'll try my best to play along. But, but raise your hand tonight. Sometimes you're just frustrated that, that God didn't answer a prayer the way you want it. All right, cool. So that's like most of us, okay? And so what if this whole idea of fighting injustice and jumping on board with God's heart is beating for and your prayers being answered and seeing more of God in your life are actually linked? We're going to look at that here tonight. I want you to think about some of the reasons why God doesn't answer prayer uh, the way that we want to. I mean, the first one is sometimes we just ask for some horrible stuff, right? Sometimes we just ask for ter- terrible things, and God's like, no, 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 that's horrible for you. Every parent in the room understands that. Their kids sometimes ask for some really horrible things. I was just reading last, this last week that a four-year-old girl asked her mom for a cat, and, and she had a nice picture, showed her the cat, and the mom said, honey, you know I'm allergic to cats. I could not be in the same room as the cat. And the four-year-old looked her mom right in the face and said, you could sleep outside. Like, like, no issue, right? Like, sometimes we just ask for bad things. Uh, I think sometimes another reason we don't see our prayer answered like we hope is because God's got something better that, than what we're asking for. You know, it's like me saying to my wife tomorrow, hey, let's go to Chick-fil-A for lunch. And she's got like a trip to Philly plan just to get a cheesesteak. Like, my plan was good. Her plan was better, you know. And God often is doing the very same thing in our lives. He's got just something better for us. I think another reason sometimes that we don't see God answer prayer is because it's just not not time yet. Like some of you guys are single. You're like, oh God, why not yet? Why not yet? And you know, keep praying that. I don't think he's saying necessarily to everybody in the room, you know, I just don't have this for you. I think that he's saying, just hang in. I got something good. Just, just wait on it, right? But there's this fourth reason that prayer doesn't get answered, okay? And, and, and it has to do with are we on mission with God or not? 
Like, have we joined him in the task that he's accomplishing on planet Earth? Like, think about it this way. And we have an amazing staff at the church. I'm so blessed to everybody to work with everybody that I work with. But I just want you to imagine for a minute if one of them came to me and said, Doug, we're so excited about what's going on here at Living Word, but I don't know if you heard, they're, they're renovating down at Dave and Buster's, and there's just something in me that wants to take like half my work hours every week and go do that, right? I'd be like, you're not doing that. Now, why would I say that? Because that's not my mission, right? They have some legit cantina nachos. It's a great appetizer, but, but that's not the mission, right? And here's the deal. I'm going to say no to that every single time because I want you on mission, right? And I want you to think about this. What if, what if God is saying, isn't it interesting? I, I'm, not, I'm not on that mission, like, I'm not at Dave and Buster's. I'm not on that mission. No, I'm on this mission. And the reason that you're not feeling my presence and experiencing more of my hand at work in your life is because you're trying to do something I'm not really all that excited about. Join me on my mission and watch me show up and feel my presence and sense me in it and watch me begin to answer prayer. You see, when, when our staff comes to me and they have an idea that's going to advance our mission, I'll say yes every time right? Where are you going to find my presence, where my mission is, right? And I believe the same is true with God. He wants to say yes. As a parent, you can ask my kids, I say no sometimes, but I want to say yes as much as possible. And I believe God's the same way. It's just, wow, suddenly when we're on his mission, we begin to ask for different things, things that are on the mission, things that are on his heart. And so there's this incredible, incredible link between the things that make God's heart jump and being on that mission and seeing prayer answered in our lives. And we're going to see how that plays out here in the message tonight. I just think that you and I have an opportunity right now, right? We have an opportunity to be a part of things that makes God's heart jump. That's what I want for you and me. I want to be a church that's in the spot where God's presence is moving. I want us to be a church that's partnered up with the things that make his heart excited. And I tell you what, we want to always, always, always be impacting the world around us. And you know what? A lot of you are young tonight, and I love that. And the truth is, if the church wants to reach the next generation, then we've got to be about this kind of stuff because we got a lot of millennials and Gen Zers in the room. And man, your heartbeat is to change the world, right? Like as I, wait, wait, did the mic cut out? Your heartbeat is to change the world, right? All right, okay, about six of you. Cool, man, appreciate that. You know what's crazy is, as I was getting ready for the message, I texted a few of the, um, 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 wow, um, millennial Gen Zers on our staff. I lost the name there. And I'm a little handcuffed here. It's a little distracting. And so um, as I'm texting them and I'm saying, hey, guys, I'm going to be talking about this and, and social injustice and what's going on in the world around us. Like, what, what, what's on your radar? And I got like 18 books back. I mean, I was like, it's a one-part message, guys. I can't, there's no way I could address all this. Like, your guys' heartbeat is to be a part of something big, something that matters, something that will change a generation and then beyond it, Right? And so we've got to be about this, and I believe that you guys are in on this, that it's your heart to see some amazing things happen. So what makes God's heart jump? What mission is he inviting us into? How can we fight injustice? We're going to look at that tonight. If you're not a follower of Jesus, first off, I don't normally preach in handcuffs. Okay. Secondly, it's so awesome that you're here. And thirdly, I want to let you know something. You were in handcuffs when Jesus came for you. 
You were enslaved when Jesus came for you. You were stuck in your sin just like I was when Jesus came for you and for me. And often we think our religion, our performance, our ability is going to get this off, right? The key to these cuffs is my ability to free myself from my sin by doing a bunch of good stuff, right? But the problem is that's called religion. Religion is when we try to fix ourselves and we try to work our way into God's good standing, And religion is often this outward thing, but God looks at the heart, right? God knows what's going on deep inside, so we can come and we can make it look like we've got it all together, but God is looking much deeper than that. And I believe you guys, man, we want to be a generation of people who aren't just a bunch of people who have these outward shows of religion, but that there's something deeper going on. In the classic children's movie, The Godfather Part 3, a priest says to Michael Corleone, you guys can read this with me, look at this stone. It's been lying in the water for a very long time, but the water has not penetrated it. He breaks the stone, shows it to Michael. It's dry. The same thing has happened with men in Europe. For centuries, they have been surrounded by Christianity, but Christ has not penetrated it. Christ does not live within. And this is what we don't want. We don't want to be just a bunch of people who have the the, the water all around us, so to speak, or the Spirit of God or Jesus all around us, but he hasn't penetrated our hearts. We want to say, oh God, come on in, do your thing, do your work. And that's where we have to say, well, what is God about? Like if I invite Jesus into my heart in a deeper way, then where's he going to take me? I'll tell you tonight where he's going to take you. He's going to lead you to fight some injustice. He's going to lead you to some big battles. He's going to lead you to do some really life-changing things. And I believe as a generation, we've got to get excited about these kinds of things. Because the problem often is that there's this weird hypocrisy about Christianity. Right? And here's the hypocrisy. We come and we sing our songs and we should keep doing that. We come and we hear messages and we should keep doing that. We pray and we read our Bible app. Great. Let's keep doing that. But then there's this kind of idea that, cool, we're living it. Right? And I just think God maybe is on, on mission over here going, like, yeah, you're, you're living it, but there's so much more. Like, you're, you're living it, and you love me, and I love you, and we're in this relationship, and all is well. But, man, if you guys would join me in my fight against injustice, oh, man, watch how I'd show up. Watch how I'd answer prayer. Watch what I could be to you. Watch how much of my presence you could find when you're on mission with me. And so tonight, we're going to read through some verses where this is exactly what was going on. Isaiah was speaking to the people of Israel and Judah, and he was saying, guys, you guys have some hypocrisy going on. You think that you're all, you know, doing all these beautiful things for God, but it's all this outward stuff, and God's seeing your heart. And then the people were getting mad at God. They're going, God, why aren't you showing up? Like, why aren't you moving in our lives? Why aren't you answering prayer? And God's going back, because you haven't joined me on my mission. You're okay with all this injustice around you. Join me on my mission and see what I'll do, right? Isaiah 58, 2 says this, For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not Notice, so the people are going, God, where are you, right? They're kind of along with the rest of us, raising our hand, going, we want to see you answer prayer, God. We've been out here praying and fasting. Why aren't you showing up? And then he says this, yet on the day of your fasting. Now, you might be saying, well, what's fasting? Well, fasting was and is a time where you just give something up and you seek God. 
okay? The people probably gave up food for a time, and they prayed, and they sought God, and it's basically a way to say, God, I want you more than food. In our day, I think food's a good thing to give up. I think social media is a good thing to give up for a little while, or your phone, or your TV, or whatever it is that kind of distracts you, and just say, oh God, I'm hungrier for you. I'm more hungry for you than I am for all these other things, right? Now, here's what's interesting is God's not telling them not to fast. I actually think every Christian, we should have a routine of fasting to get closer to God. But he's not telling them not to fast. Look at what happens here. He says, yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please, exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. So God's not telling them not to fast. He's not telling you and I not to come to church and read our Bible and worship. He's saying, do all that, but do it with the right heart and join me on my mission, right? And so let me ask you this. As you think about your life, is there ever like sort of like a little bit of a a hypocrisy about what you do? Or is there any part of you that maybe goes, you know, I I look at this and I, I see God just told them that on the day of fasting when they're supposed to be you know, really set apart and seeking God. They're doing what they want and they're exploiting their workers and they're quarreling and, and man, literally fist fighting. Thankfully, we've never seen a fist fight in church. Like, you know the Lord's moving when you haven't seen a fist fight in church. Now, I'll be lying if I said that we haven't talked about what might be an awesome matchup if there ever were a fist fight in church, okay? I, I, I gotta be honest, on Friday, a few weeks ago, we had this conversation. We thought a pretty good fight, if it had to happen, would be Dave Jacafe versus Luciano Malazzi. Here's Dave Jacafe. He's got his nice gold thing that he won around. He's got his medal because he lifted 585 pounds. That makes him pretty intense, you know? And then here is Luciano, who's got a Luci baby on his lap. That makes him pretty intense, you know what I'm saying? Right? A little intimidating, okay? Now, I think I know who'd win, but I ain't telling you who it is, all right? Here's the deal. Though we haven't had a fist fight, thank God for that. We have not had a fist fight in the church. Man, we've got our issues, right? We've got our stuff. We've had our moments where people get at each other and they get frustrated and they get angry and they hold on to stuff. Guys, the first kind of injustice we have to deal with is the injustice in this room. It's how we treat each other. First John says that they'll all out there, all those people that we gotta go reach and change the world for, they'll know we're the real thing by how we love each other in here, right? And so the first kind of injustice we have to deal with is the gossip and the anger and the quarreling and all that stuff we hang on to, right? And so... Let me ask you that, just to start, because that's kind of the zoomed in thing. We're going to zoom way out and get much bigger than this, but, but zoomed in, is there anything in your heart tonight that just says, you know, I just, I want nothing to do with that person. I want nothing to, I'm, don't, don't, don't look for me to be forgiving them for what they did or said or the attitude they threw at me. Like, I'm just not going to go there. No, God's saying, join me on my mission for the love of it all. If you want my heart to jump, get along. Forgive. Love is the glue, Right? Love each other. Start there. Fight injustice right here in the room first and foremost. But then it goes on. He says, is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is this what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? And so he's saying, yo, you guys are doing all these outward things. You're bowing your head. You're looking all religious. You're wearing sackcloth. You know what sackcloth is? You guys remember elementary school sack races? Remember those itchy bags you used to get in and jump? And you'd, you'd like jump like for 100 feet and then you'd have to end up in the hospital because you got like all kinds of rashes and stuff from the bag because it was this horrible sackcloth material and it was all itchy. And they would put it on and they would think, 
think, wow, God, look at us. We're so holy that to get your attention, we'll even be willing to put this nasty stuff on us and be all itchy to suffer for you, God. And they think they're a huge deal, and God's like impressed. And then they would dust themselves in ashes so that they look all you know, nasty and covered in filthy. And God's going, God's going, guys, I see your bowed heads and I see the, the sackcloth and the ashes, but man, I'm looking at your heart. I'm looking at something so much deeper. Now let me just say something that isn't 100% where we're headed tonight, but maybe it'll set some people free. Have you, have you and I ever done this? Like, have we ever approached God and made it look like we've got everything together? Can I just take a weight off you tonight? You don't have to do that. You come to God just like you are. You can come and say, God, this is where I'm at. This is, this is where I've been. I've been a mess this week. I'm really struggling. I just need you, God. I just need you. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to put on airs or, or a face that would end up looking like some kind of hypocrisy, right? We don't have to do that with each other either, right? We can come into this room. We should be one big family where we can come into this room and say, man, everything fell apart this week, and here's where I'm at, and I just got to tell you what's going on. Like, we don't have to make ourselves look better than we really are. Let me ask you this. Have you ever tried to act more holy than you actually are when so-and-so walks in the room, right? Like you're acting one way and somebody walks in and suddenly you have a whole different face. I'm like, just be free of that. You know, single guys in the room, you ever had a, a Sunday night? Let's be real. You're sitting in here and you're not really feeling the worship. You just got your arms down at your side and, and, then, and then she walks in, man, and she sits like an aisle across and, and she starts to lift her hands up and you're like, I'll go this high now, you know, I'm looking over there, you know, one eye open, seeing if there's a ring on it, no ring, okay, arms are going up, the Lord's moving, right, like, is there ever that moment, right, and, and, and as we look at the scripture, God's saying, guys, I, I'm looking at the heart, I'm looking at the heart, let's knock off the hypocrisy, let's knock off the outward stuff that doesn't mean a thing, and then he says, okay, so fight injustice internally, knock off the hypocrisy, but here's what we're aiming at now, and he says this, is not the kind of fasting I've chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Because there are people around us, some literally and some figuratively, wearing chains just like this. But thank God, he's called us to walk with the key and unlock the chains of injustice in other people's lives. I want you to think about the people in your life that possibly are caught in some type of chain of injustice. And we're going to get real specific here in these next several minutes. I want us to really think about the injustices around us that we can fight and that we can be a part of really being the answer to. And so, just for a second, as you guys think about it. That's all right, Jimmy's blonde here. It's okay. No, we got it. Thank you, Jim. Let's hear it for Jimmy. Appreciate this guy. So I want you to think about some of the literal and figurative injustices, some of the shackles that people find themselves in. And, and I want to say this before I bring anything up, because some of these are a little bit of a hot topic, and, and some of these things people can go, oh, see, I knew they were going to you know, just throw a bunch of hate at a people group or something like that. Guys, listen, when our, our, our church's approach at this kind of stuff is we love and we serve and we shine the light of Jesus. We don't scream and yell at people because they disagree with us, okay? And so just know that. And if you've experienced anything that I'm going to talk about here tonight, or if you've struggled with it, or if you've been on the end where you've been the oppressor in any of this, or the participant in any of this, please know the love and grace of Jesus tonight. But at the same time, we've been called to take these chains off the world around us. Okay? And so the first one I want to just bring up is abortion. It's, it's an injustice against the unborn. It's an injustice against the woman who's having the abortion because, man, there is a psychological, physical, emotional, and spiritual aftermath 
when someone has an abortion. It's, it's an injustice against the man involved in the relationship too. And so, man, we think it's a huge deal for, for you and I to be able to partner together and say, no, we want to see it end. Do you guys realize, just think about this, there was a time in American history when this horrific slave thing was going on. How horrible, how horrible, right? But there was a time when people were looking at it like that's never going to end. Like that's never going to go away. Guys, it went away. Because a bunch of people said we could make this go away by the grace of God and the power of God, right? And so, man, I believe in our lifetime that we could see abortion ended in our country. That we could see God do something so huge and just reverse this whole thing. And there's a lot of momentum around this right now. And one of the ministries we partner with is Soundview Pregnancy. And you might remember Doreen was here about probably a year ago now. And, man, what an amazing thing that we get to keep partnering with them. And uh, the last few weeks, you guys had a handout in your, in your bulletin there for Soundview. Uh, last Sunday, we had a representative from Soundview here. And they handed out a bunch of baby bottles that they wanted us to fill with money so we could raise money for them. And you guys took every last baby bottle that they brought. So proud of you guys. What an incredible moment. Because we want to say, wow, Soundview is going to come alongside women and is going to show them what the baby looks like. It's going to give them a sonogram. It's going to give them food. It's going to give them diapers. It's going to be there before, during, and after all this goes on. And I believe they said last week that in the last couple of years, they've had what would amount to four kindergarten classrooms full of babies that they've saved. Like imagine the power of that and the difference that is going to take place in these women's heart and these men's heart that were involved in this. And so we've got a Stand up lovingly but with passion, and we got to do something about abortion. Another one that's a big one right now is the sex and slave trade. As Christians, we have to be a part of this solution. This is what makes God's heart jump. I have no doubt in my mind that, you know, thinking about teenagers being trafficked, thinking about young kids being trafficked, like when, when the Christians rise up and say, no more, this is not okay, we are not all right with this. We're not okay with little kids being sold in the sex trade. We've got to make a difference. And so International Justice Mission is this amazing ministry we've partnered with, and Paul Firth is our representative with them. And man, just think about the opportunity we have to say, no, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna see God do something powerful. Right? And I believe one of their mantras is, until all are free. Right, Until all are free. Again, somebody's crazy enough to believe that a bunch of God-filled people can make a difference until all are free. We've got to be in on that. We've got to be in on that. Right, We've got to say, enough's enough. Racism. It's another injustice around us. One of the things I'm so thankful for that's changing in our church more and more as we're becoming more diverse. There's more people from every you know, skin color and background and tribe and tongue. And that's our heart. That's what heaven's going to be like, right? Everybody together. And I just want to say, if there's anybody in the room who is allowing hate to spew out of your mouth toward a people group, that's got to stop. If there's anyone in the room that's allowing it to happen around you in school or in your work environment, man, you've got to call that out. This is not okay, and Christians can't just sit back and let this happen. My wife has this recurring dream. She wakes up about once a month and goes, Doug, I had the dream again. And I go, not the dream about another baby, right? And she goes, no. And I go, okay, okay, then I want to hear it, okay? And so she tells me the dream, and the dream is this, that our church is full of all kinds of different people, all kinds of different people, that you walk in here, it's just one big family of people of all different types and backgrounds. Yes, that is the heart of God. He goes on, he gets a little more specific. He says, is it not to share your food with the hungry? So in other words, a part of this fast or a part of the, the actions I'm really looking for here, Israel and Judah, is to share your food with the hungry, to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh 
and blood. This makes God's heart jump. When you and I say, we're not okay with homelessness and hunger. We're not all right with it. We're going to do something about it. We're going to make an impact. And, and, and for many years, we partnered with Genesis Church out east, and they were so good to us. What a great church to go out every Saturday and feed the homeless in their community. Incredible thing. Three different locations. And they let us help them for a bunch of years. But now that we're planted here in Hopog, we want to say, what difference can we make right here in our community? You know, you go just about five to ten minutes from here, and there's a lot of need real quick. And so what can we do? And we're dreaming that up, and we're praying that up, and, and Steph has been leading the charge and figuring that out. She's been talking with Mary about how we can partner with some shelters in the area, and Crystal about how we can partner with some shelters and homes in the area, and what kinds of things we could do. So stay tuned for what the new homeless and or people group outreach of Living Word Church will look like. But I'm excited about that, because we're not okay with people going hungry and having nowhere to live. Another one is the fatherless. And we've had Long Island youth mentoring here. Do you know that millennials are called the fatherless generation? Like that's the title that's been given to you guys. And I believe the heart of God is to, to have a bunch of Christians say, okay, you don't have a physical father in the situation, then we're going to come in and we're going to be like a father because God's been a father to us. And so Long Island youth mentoring is this amazing ministry where they partner up people for like a year and you just meet with that person once a week for like a year, you meet with a 13-year-old kid or a 15-year-old kid or somebody who's lost a parent or their parent's in jail or their parent's a drug addict, and you get to just be there for them. You get to just hang out with them. You get to pour into them the love of Jesus. What an amazing, incredible thing. And these are some figurative chains that we're talking about. But man, I was talking with Ken, who comes to our church and works at Long Island Youth Mentoring. He was saying so many of these kids by the age of 13 are in gangs already. Man, that's, a, that's handcuffs. Some, sometimes that's a death sentence, right? And this has happened in 10, 15 minutes from here. So, wow, we got to fight injustice. We got to be there for the fatherless. Now, here's what's incredible. You see, at this point, we begin to see what jumping on God's mission will do when it comes to seeing him show up in our lives. This is where it all comes together, right? We had this buildup of we got to make a difference, but what about our prayers? And what about seeing Jesus move like never before in our lives? And this is where the two come together, where God says, the more you join my mission, the more you'll see of me. The more you join my mission, the more you'll see of me. The more you join my mission, the more you'll see of me. And so look at what he says next. He says, then, after you've done all these things, right, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. This is something. This is God saying, guys, you see, I'm over here on mission. And when you are here with me on mission, watch how you see me at work in your life. And I love what he says here. He says that light, light will break forth, Right? When you're on mission with Jesus, suddenly you're going to be able to see clearly. You're going to see him clearly. You're going to see the world around you clearly. You're going to see what he has for you clearly. I love here he adds then next, he says that healing will appear, right? That our healing will appear. Man, I would love to see more of that. I'd love to see more of God just touching people, touching their bodies, touching their emotions, touching relationships, touching people who are bound up in some real serious stuff, finding healing. Righteousness will go before you. This is huge. Think about this for a minute. Don't we all have struggles in our lives that we wish would go away? Don't we all have struggles that we battle with every single day? What I love about this is I think that this is saying when you join me on mission, there's going to be this righteousness flowing out of you that's going to help overcome a lot of those struggles. How many of you guys have ever been on a mission trip? Just raise your hand. Like you went somewhere, some other country or state, and you like there was a hurricane or there was some kind of devastation, and you went and you built. and you. Okay, think about this, right? 
when you're on that trip, which you are on God's mission, right? When you're on that trip, the stuff you normally think about and let get to you is usually not an issue. Isn't that true? Like, because you're on mission and you're there building homes, you're, you're clearing records, whatever you're doing, and the stuff that normally matters to you is like, no, nah, man, we're on mission. I'm not going to let that sidetrack me, right? I just believe that's true all the time. It's not because you're in another country that that's true of you. It's because you're on God's mission. And when you're on God's mission, I think his righteousness will go before us. I love this. The Lord will be your rear guard. He'll protect us from the things we can't see. Like none of us have eyes in the back of our head. There's always stuff coming at us we can't see. When I was a little kid, about three years old, I was at a family function in the basement of a church, a tile floor kind of like this one here in our room. And I was up on the table because I was that kid. And I was sliding backwards, sliding backwards. And I thought the table was the longest table in the whole world and had no end. And I fell off the table backwards. But my aunt was a ninja and caught me in the air. And she was my rear guard. About 17 years old, I was up on the building of I was up on the roof of the building of the church that I grew up in because I was that kid. And so we're up there, and actually we were there on purpose. I was supposed to be helping put caulk on the heads of the screw holes in the top that were leaking. And so the guy said, hey, hit it with a piece of caulk. Hit it with a piece of caulk. Just each of you guys take a row, and we'll get this whole roof done, right? So I get on the first thing, and I'm caulking back up, caulking back up, caulking back up. My friend goes, Doug, don't take another step. Because one more step backwards, I would have fallen right off the side of that building. Lord knows I need a rear guard, right? I need somebody who can see what I can't see coming. And God says, join me on my mission and watch how I will watch you. Watch how I will guard you. Even the times you don't need the guarding. You, or you think you don't need the guarding. Watch how I watch you. Verse 9, then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. Guys, here is God saying, if you want to see me, like there's some people in the room here tonight, I would guess, who are going, man, I don't know if this God stuff's real. I hope it is. I like the songs. I like the people. But I don't know if God's real. I don't know if Jesus is alive. I don't know if he rose back from the dead. You want to know how you'll know? Is if you begin to join God on his mission. You're going to see him more and more clearly. You're going to see, wow, he showed up. He did the real thing. Like, he is there. He is real. He filled my life with peace. He overwhelmed me. He healed me. He showed up. He answered prayer. I can't believe this. Here am I. Maybe we're over here saying, God, why aren't you showing up? And God's going, because I'm over here, right? Now, theologically, God's everywhere, but here is the mission, and here's where his felt presence is. He's going, join me in it. Join me in it. Here am I. Verse 7, we come back to internal internal injustice if you do away with the yoke of oppression with the pointing finger and malicious talk guys we gotta treat each other well inside these walls we can't be pointing across the aisle going man i can't stand that person i'm not coming anymore i'm not pointing at you specifically um i can't stand this person like i don't know why i'm here guys when we get together we're gonna have problems and we can't allow there to be injustice within this room it's gonna mess everything up else up forget the mission outside the walls if we're a mess in here and all you need is two people to do this. Actually, sometimes I think even just one, you just by yourself, you can still get upset, right? There's this old pastor joke. We like to tell it and laugh about it. So there's this lady who's caught on a desert island, right? I don't know how she got there. I don't know how the joke you know, started out. There's no backstory. I'm sorry about that. But they bring a big boat, and they get her, and she's on the boat. And as they're leaving, they look back at the island, and there's three huts. And they say, why are there three huts? There was only one of you on the island. She says, well... The one was where I lived, and the one was my church, and the other one was the church I used to go to, right? Like, because like, all you need is one person to mess this up, right? So we're going to get at each other. 
But we can't be okay with it. We can't let that fly. We've got to say, no, no injustice in here either. We're not going to point the finger. No malicious talk. We're going to work it out. We're going to forgive. Love is the glue. Verse 10. And if you spend yourselves, everybody say spend yourselves. In behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed. Guys, I know we got a young crowd tonight. I know Long Island is the most expensive place to live on the world. At least it feels like it. I know it's one of the busiest places on the world. Some of us have spent ourselves on a car, a house, a loan. I get it. I'm with you. It's, it's hard, man. It's hard. Scraping by sometimes. But here God says, okay, I want to let you guys know something. If we're going to actually fight injustice, it's going to cost. We're going to have to spend ourselves on this. We're going to have to sacrifice on this. But some of us could say, you know what? I could give up like two of my 18 Starbucks cups a day and I could support one of those kids through international justice mission, right? I could give up an hour of my week. It's a crazy week, man. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I could give it up if I could be there for like a 13-year-old kid who's got no dad and who's probably going to end up in a gang. Like, like it's going to cost. we got to spend ourselves to see this mission accomplished. And then it says this, Then your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. Guys, we got a room full of people trying to figure out what's your will for me. Who's the person? Where's the spouse? What's the timing? When do I change? When do I school, the job? The... Here's God saying, guys, you join me on my mission. I'm going to show you, man. It's going to be so bright over there. You're going to see everything clearly. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You know those days when you open the front door, it's just so hot. You're like, nah, man, I'm not doing this. Day. You go back in, just retreat into the AC. Like sometimes life feels like that. And God is saying when life feels like that, you watch how I satisfy your needs and strengthen your frame. It says you will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. So my great-grandpa used to grow all these vegetables in his backyard. He actually called them vegetables in his backyard. And he'd be growing all this crazy, crazy stuff out there, all kinds of stuff. But I'm telling you, man, the dude never saw, like, the invention of the hose, I feel like. It was always, like, dying, and there was, it, it never, nothing was ever watered back there. And I'm like, Grandpa, you got to, like, buy a hose and water this stuff. He's like, no, Dougie, it's so good. It's so good. Like, all right, man, you, you have fun with that, bro. Get a sprinkler. But... I love that this is saying we will be like a well-watered garden. And think about a spring. Everybody close your eyes for a second. Think about a spring. Are you seeing it like erupt out of the ground? Okay, now, keep your eyes closed. Think about a pond. You see how the pond's just sitting there. There's no inlet of water. It's just like a little pool almost, right? Okay, open your eyes. Here's the deal. When you and I think about trying to give $24 a month, to some of you guys, that's a huge deal, man. When we think about trying to give like an hour of our time, that's a huge deal. And it almost feels like we're taking a bucket and we're going over to a pond. We're scooping up the water and then we're dumping it out over here. We're spending it on International Justice Mission or Soundview or Long Island Youth Mentoring. And that means that water that, or money that was in the pond is now over here, right? But I love that the description here isn't that God's going to bring a, a pond into our life. No, God's going to bring a what? A, a spring, into our life. So if I take a bucket and I get some water out of a spring and I dump it over here, by the time I get back, what do I have more of? Right? I have more water flowing back out. Like if it's a pond, you can tell, oh man, I took some stuff out of there and now it's gone. If it's a spring, it's coming. God's going to replenish our money as we give it to those in need. God's going to replenish our time as we give it to those in need. He'll make a way as he leads us, as we join him on 
his mission. And then I love this. We're going to close with this verse. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the old age foundations. And I love this. Could, could our church be called this? You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. Maybe we should change the name of our church to that. Where do you go? I go to repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings, 930, 1130, and 7. Like, that's a, probably not going to work out. <laughs> but man, imagine the power of saying, okay, we're going to be the church that's known for putting back together what's broken, right? We're going to be the church that's known for loving the fatherless, loving the sinner, loving the addicted, loving the person's thinking about the abortion or had the abortion. We're going we're gonna to love the person stuck in the sex trade. We're going to love the person who has no food. We're going like, to be that church, right? And people began to go, wow, this is incredible. This is amazing. God, God's using these people. They're repairing the broken walls. Now, in Isaiah, in Judah's day, God was probably telling them to repair the broken walls because their own sin broke those walls, okay, so to speak. Their own sin made this mess. And so God's going, hey, put back together what you broke, but in our day, you might say, Doug, I don't have a racist bone in my body. Doug, I've never participated in this sex trade. Doug, I, I have nothing to do with somebody being homeless or not. It's not like I, I took their money or their home. Guys, here's the deal. God is calling us to rebuild the walls that other people's sin broke. But what a beautiful thing. What a beautiful thing you and I can be a part of. What an amazing thing God can do through us. So guys, what is God calling us to do? Fight injustice. This is not okay. This is not all right around anybody, figuratively or literally, internally or externally. We've got to fight injustice. God's heart jumps when we fight injustice. And so how can you be a part of it? I want you to really think about this. I want you to think about the things we were told not to do. He told us to stop doing as we please, exploiting people, quarreling, fighting. Is any of that going on internally? No, let's fight that injustice. Let's fight that injustice. Forgive, love, love is the glue, right? And then he told us some things we should be doing, loosing the chains of injustice. And so what does that look like for you and me? Well, let's fill up those Soundview bottles and give them back, man. Actually, Laura came to me after the service today from Soundview. She's our rep, and she said, you know what was so cool is people brought the baby bottles, and they dumped them out and then took them back. Like they gave the money, but they want to go fill it again. Like, yes, like let's get involved and see God do some amazing things. And so be involved in that. International Justice Mission, if you go out to the info desk, we've got a pamphlet there. You grab one of those, they'll show you exactly how to give. You can talk to Paul, too. Exactly how to give and get involved in rescuing kids out of the sex trade. Guys, God's heart beats for this stuff. We can't stay over here if he's over there. And when we come over here, we're going to see him like never before. We've got to join God in this stuff. We've got to spend ourselves on this stuff. To save a life box, we have. And anything you put in there is going to be divided up among these ministries and or given to people that are in great need. We've got the new outreach coming. I'm so excited about that. Like, it was so cool to partner with Genesis out east. But can you imagine? We go out on a Saturday and we minister to some homeless people or some people in need like 10 minutes from here. And then that Sunday, they're in our church. And we get to rub shoulders with them, and they're a part of the family now, not just some people we see on Saturday who don't have some stuff that we have. No, what a beautiful thing to see God bring them into the family. And Long Island Youth Mentoring, same deal. Out at the info desk, you could grab a flyer. You could talk with Ken who comes to our church. He'll be around probably in a week or two, and we're going to be talking more and more about this. But, man, I, I, gotta, I look out, and I just see a, a, like 100 potential mentors right here, you know? 
dude, we're all busy. I get it. But I see all these people who have something in them that matters and can be used. Man, God wants to use you guys in these kids' lives so much. And so one of the beautiful things about this, because I hate raising money, I hate talking about money, but I'm really bad at it. But, but everything I'm doing tonight, which is why I can feel so confident in this, is going out. Not one dime comes to us, comes to me, comes to the church, doesn't pay for the heat or the electric or the lights or the stage or anything. This is all going out to fight injustice. And so how can you be a part of it? Maybe you're like, Doug, I could, I could bring like five bucks back for Soundview, and that's me really spending myself. If that's you spending yourself, man, thank you. Praise God. Do it. Some of you guys are like, you know, I could give up some coffee a few times a week, and I could probably sponsor one of those kids. Do it. Some of you guys are like, no, nah, I could probably write a pretty good-sized check right now and really help. Do it. What does it look like for you to make this great impact? Let me close with this story. Abba grew up in Mumbai. Her dad abused her when she was real little. He was arrested, sent to prison, and her family then needed money because the dad was in jail, and so she went to work for a catering company, and around the age of 13, the people she worked with introduced her to the sex trade, and she began being sold to multiple people a day, sometimes up to 30 men a day. And because of how extreme the trauma was from this, she, she got hooked on some drugs and she became a complete mess. And one day she actually overdosed and passed out in the street, in the streets of Mumbai. And the police found her and they had a suspicion that she was in the sex trade. Well, I wonder why that happened. It happened because International Justice Mission trained the police in Mumbai to spot kids that were probably a part of the sex trade. And so they brought her to a safe place, and they called International Justice Mission, who came in and verified that's exactly what was going on with her. They got her into a safe home. They got her off drugs. She's going through school now. And this is what she has to say, and I just think this is so powerful. So many people are being rescued because of those who are fighting sex trafficking. There are so many children who have not seen the outside world and are made captives. My life is good now. I'm very grateful for my life. I've got a good life, and I have, I get, if I get a chance to help about this, or I'm sorry, talk about this, I will definitely share about the things that happened in my life so others can make their lives better. She was able to share her testimony and they got about a dozen sex traders because International Justice Mission prepped her, helped her, and cared for her in a time when everything had fallen apart. And I'm super proud to say, guys, we have several members of our church that are a part of a special task force in the tri-state area that rescue kids out of the sex trade right here. How incredible. But we got to care, right? We got to say, okay, God, I'm on mission. I'm coming. I'm going to do what you want me to do. I'm going to join you where you want me to join me. Maybe it's 10 bucks. Maybe it's 100 bucks. Maybe it's an hour a week. Maybe it's five hours a week. Oh, God, but I just got to be where you are. I got to be on mission. If we do that, we will see God like never before. And our, chair, our prayers will begin to change. The thing we're asking God for, it'll go, yeah, it'll still be God heal this and provide that, but it'll be God rescue Rescue these kids out of the trade. God, be with my, my, my person that I'm mentoring. Oh, God, be with this poor kid, Lord. Heal his heart and put his life back together and point him to you. It'll be incredible how we'll see God show up. If you're not a follower of Jesus, remember tonight, you were wearing these, man. You, you, you and I were all wearing these when Jesus came for us. And he didn't come just to give us an example. He came to literally be this key. Like, you are not this key. Your, your, your actions and your works are not this key. The only thing that opens the chains on you and me is Jesus. His life, his death, his resurrection. 
And he loves you so much. He wants you, like I said before, just how you are. You walked in tonight, you don't have to pretend to be anybody. He wants you just how you are. Invite him into your life. Ask him to forgive your sin. And tonight I'm going to give you a chance to do that if you want to in just a minute. But church, come on, come on. Let's fight injustice. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much that you have given us an invitation to join you in what makes your heart beat, God. That you want us to spend ourselves on those who are less fortunate, those who are enslaved, those who have been put in chains figuratively or literally. And God, I just pray you'll help us. If you're a follower of Jesus, would you just pray about that? What is God tugging on your heart right now? The reason I brought up so many different ministries tonight is because I knew different people's hearts would be tugged in different ways. And so how's your heart being tugged tonight? What's God saying to you? Would you pray about that? And if you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him, you can pray with me. And you could just say something like this, just silently. Jesus, thank you so much for coming for me. Thank you so much for dying in my place. Thank you so much that you are the key that opens my chains, Jesus. It's you alone. Rescue me from my sin and my shame. Show me what it looks like to follow you. Just everybody keep your head down, your eyes closed for a second. If you pray that for the very first time, I would love for you to look up at me right now. I would love for you to do that so I could be praying for you this week. You don't have to. But I'd love for you to do that so I could be praying for you this week and celebrating what God did. Anybody here tonight? Awesome. Anybody else here tonight? That's great. I see you back there. That's so cool. Anybody else tonight? God, we just love you. Thank you, God. Help us to be a church that fights injustice.